Hello and welcome to the Cat Mass Day Chronicles podcast. This week we have such an insightful episode with Joy Agude, founder of the London Physio. Joy shares useful and beneficial advice regarding physiotherapy, health and beyond. We finish off the conversation by chatting about her beautiful cats, Aluna and Sasha. We also have some other exciting news. We've been entered into a business podcast competition for 2021 and we would love to stand a fighting chance. This podcast started during the first lockdown in London and I thought it would be a great way to use my time and keep my business going because at the time it had come to a complete standstill. But the podcast ended up being more than just a passion project for me. It became a tool, a vessel for other small businesses and entrepreneurs like me. It became a show with insightful stories shared by people who are passionate about what they do. We have also created a wonderful cat community of cat lovers and we all share this love and bond together. So this podcast has reproduced not just any ordinary podcast for you to listen to, but something that goes beyond that. And I would absolutely love for it to get that recognition. So please do vote for us. It would mean so much. I'll post the link in the show notes and on our social media pages at Chatty Cats Care. Thank you so much. Hello and welcome to the Cat Mass Day Chronicles. We have exciting, interesting and powerful stories from cat owners about well-being. I'm your host, Michelle Adams, the founder of Chatty Cats Care, a professional cat sitting company. Join me as I dive deep into conversation with cat owners about their individual journeys. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode. This episode is brought to you by Chatty Cats Care, London's professional cat sitting company. Hello and welcome to the Cat Mass Day Chronicles episode 24. This week we are joined by the wonderful Joy Agude, founder of the London Physio. Joy is a specialist in her field with 10 years of in-depth chartered experience and specialist training. She provides a convenient service for all, providing consultations and treatments from the luxury of your home, office or even online. She's experienced in treating a range of neuromuscular skeletal conditions, such as treating sports injuries in 16-year-olds to treating a 91-year-old patient after hip surgery. Joy has such a passion for her job, and she shares so many great tips and videos and insights on her social media platforms to help thousands of followers. She's also a proud, cool cat mum to kitty sisters, Sasha, a ragdoll and a Luna, a British blue, who are both adorable. And it's clear from their social media account that Joy loves them to bits. I'm so excited to hear more about Joy and her cats. So without further ado, thank you so much for joining us today, Joy. Could you please tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself? Oh, thank you so much for having me, Michelle. Really appreciate it. Um, You've said so many lovely things. So thank you for that (laughs) introduction. Um, (laughs) So yeah, I am Joy, I guess. Uh, Joy by nature, Joy by name, they say, or the other way around. I do have two cats and obviously I'm a physio. So I, I own, I found 
previously we used to have um, clinics in London. We at some point we had about three clinics in London and our main services were the clinic sessions and then home visits around London. But then, of course, COVID-19 had other ideas. Um, but for us, in, in certain ways, it was a it was a good thing in terms of how we provide the service. So we now provide uh, our service virtually, which means that we can now reach people not just outside of London, but outside of the UK and Thankfully, we have patients all around the world now, which is really, really, really nice. Um, and in addition to the virtual sessions, we still do home visits, um, not just in London, but all around the UK. So that's really cool. Um, so, yeah, I think that's like a, a little summary of me professionally. What I love, I guess, outside of being a physio is fitness. And in some ways, they are kind of married and complement each other I enjoy doing workouts and I enjoy making content for other people so videos that might be health and fitness related or cats related um, or just videos of my life so enjoy the creative side as well. So let's start by kicking things off from the beginning did you always want to work within the physiotherapy industry or is it something that you developed an interest for much later down the line? I didn't always want to work in physio, actually. <laughs> and it is something that just came about as a joke, in a way. Um, so I grew up thinking that I wanted to be a doctor. And then when I moved here, so I'm originally Nigerian, and that's just a thing, you know, in African families. And then when I moved here to England, I, I, I just had the courage somehow to say that I really didn't want to be a doctor. But unfortunately for me, I had all the grades, you know, physics, chemistry, biology, all the sciences. Um, and then I remember actually this, I remember this really well, I was just filling out my UCAS form and one of our neighbours was there. And she was like, well, if you don't want to be a doctor, maybe you can try physio. And I'm like, what is physio? She's like, it's like being a doctor, but you're not. I'm like, are you sure I'm not going to be a doctor? She's like, <laughs> yes. Um, and literally, I swear, that's that's how he came about. And I remember going to uni and feeling really shocked because so many people wanted to be a physio and it was like this big thing and they'd had, you know, sports injuries or and they've been treated by physios in the past. And um, they absolutely just love the idea of physiotherapy and they'd been dreaming about it and here I was you know there I was just this person who was like eh, it's my second choice <laughs> <laughs> so that that didn't go down too well with people um, at uni but it was also a shock to the system um, because I realized how hard it was um, you know it was really difficult as a as a course um, and it was very competitive to get into as well yeah I can imagine that joy um yeah, so I guess it is a little bit um, like studying medicine, Joy, because you go into so much, it, you go in depth learning about the body, biology, etc. Um, in physiotherapy. So it, it was probably quite similar to studying to become a doctor a little, wasn't it? Yes, absolutely. I mean, to be honest, we used to have this running joke because we had a lot of sessions uh, with um student doctors whilst we're studying so we had some mixed classes and we used to have something called I can't actually remember well I can't remember the name of it but downstairs in our basement this sounds very very dodgy in our basement at the university we had um 
something where we it was like this huge room where we had lots of cadavers so that those are like you know people who have passed away obviously but they they've been kind enough to donate their bodies to okay. research so we'd go down together with the with the doctors like with the medical students and like do dissections and things like that um and we used to always have this joke about you know the medics were just there because they wanted to tick a box like we had to know like the intricate details of mm. anatomy you know we had to not just identify oh. muscle but we had to identify what the muscle does you know we had to identify the nerve that supplies the muscle we had to identify you know when the muscle's not working what else is it helping to do you know all these real details um and we used to we used to laugh at the med students because they had five years to just to study whereas we had three and at the end of the three years we had to come out as specialists within physio um and so yeah it was it was really intense it was I I truly to this day believe physio should be longer um but obviously that just makes you more knowledgeable in some way when you're just thrown in at the deep end but for sure it's uh yeah it's 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 a very intense course um and it's very complementary to medicine so regardless of what uh, area of physio you choose to work in so i currently work in musculoskeletal but also just treating adults and, and the elderly and older children um regardless of what area of physio you work in you would always find that you need to work very closely with a medic um a sports doctor a surgeon um or you know a rheumatologist or or someone who is medically inclined yeah that makes that makes sense so how was the course at university what was it like for you there when you decided to go and study because of course like you mentioned it was your second choice so um I guess you had a different view in comparison to uh you know the rest of the colleagues your colleagues who were at university with you uh, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, well, I mean, I know I said it was my second choice, but it was actually my last choice. So what, <laughs> I really wanted to do, what I really wanted to do at the time was presenting. So I really wanted to do a lot of um, sort of media work. And I, I wasn't sure exactly, actually, but I just knew that I wanted to work somewhere in the media or do something that wasn't um, so um uh, what's the word when it's just a lot of studying you know what I mean like something creative yeah practical hands-on kind of practical, yeah at that yeah. point I, I was someone who loved to use my hands or like do the act or um like visualize things and bring it all together so I knew that there was a creative side of me um and obviously there's nothing creative about being a physio there's nothing creative about studying for hours and spending you know we used to be in the library till two in the morning oh, <laughs> it was wow. crazy um, some days would actually take our toothbrushes to the library <laughs> <laughs> because we knew we'd be there all day we had a library that was open 24 hours um so there was at, at that point I mean to be honest I went there because I wanted to meet my parents halfway I wanted I didn't want to be a total disappointment Aww. and in my mind I was just thinking well it's only three years of my life all I need to do is study pass the exams like literally just pass them um and then come out and do something else <laughs> I was never my heart was never really in it and then when I was there as well I think because of the stage of my life that I was in which is uh, I just really moved uh, to the UK about two years prior to that 
or two and a bit. Um, so there was a huge culture shock. And I think I just very quickly realized that I didn't get on with anyone not because we didn't like each other, just we just didn't have a lot in common. Mm. <laughs> like, so it was a very, it was a very, uh, it wasn't the most positive experience in terms of like studying on my course. Uh, what I did enjoy at uni though was um, just meeting people. I enjoyed the the clubs, you know, the after club, after like school clubs kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. During trips, I enjoyed all the social aspects of being at um at uni but I really did not I, I would be lying if I said that I enjoyed all the the studying and all of that prior to that up until college I loved it I loved physics I loved all the hard stuff but somehow at uni like everything changed um and I think that was just because at that point I'd become more myself than what I was taught to be from a young age if that makes sense mm. yeah it does make sense is there much diversity within the field in terms of gender and race? <laughs> Definitely, not. <laughs> Definitely not when I was studying. And even now, I mean, when I was studying and we had three years um, of students, obviously, and in my time of studying, I was the only black girl. So when I say in my time, so when I was in my first year, there was a second year and a third year. So that's three years. When I was in my second year, there was a first year and a third year. So there's another three years. Um, in my third year, there was a first year. I was the only black girl. Wow. But then physio is also a white female profession. So you mm. rarely see. I think now that's changing, though. So now with, you know, all the sports clubs and everything, you see more male physios. Mm. Um, but female white females tend to be the, the, the most kind of um, group, the biggest group, essentially. Mm. Um, so, I mean, I can, I, I didn't relate to anyone at all. I didn't see anyone who looked like me. Admittedly, at the time, I didn't really, you know, I, I didn't go to uni thinking, oh my God, I'm the only one that looked like, like, do you know what I mean? It actually never even occurred to me um, a lot of the time. It was just me going about my daily activities as you would anyway. Um, but certainly, I, I mean, I was very aware that I just didn't have the same mindset as most people. Yeah. And I guess at the time, you're so focused on just completing the course that, you, you know, you don't even notice who's surrounding you sometimes. <laughs> Absolutely. And especially because all I wanted to do was just get the course done and get out. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> exactly. The thing that I absolutely love my job right now, like absolutely love being a physio now. Like looking back, it's just hilarious because all I wanted to do was run away from it. Um, but I think I also think the reason why I love what I do now is because I make the rules and I, you know, set the path as I go, not just from a rebellious perspective, but also from the perspective of in terms of seeing my patients, they get what they want. So the London Physio as a service is still the only service I know um, that would see a patient when and where they want. So that includes seeing them virtually now um, at any time of the day, because virtually, you know, with the time differences, like we have clients in Dubai now, we have clients in North Carolina, we had a client in Florida earlier this year um one in cyprus uh one in sweden earlier this year as well um and so we have clients everywhere in different parts of the uk so we we would see a client at six in the morning our time if we needed to just because it fit 
you know, into their calendars um, or at 9 p.m. at night if we needed to. I have woken up at 1 a.m. to see a client before. Wow. <laughs> you know, that's a virtual aspect of it. But when it came to uh, prior to COVID, when it came to the home visits and even now, I suppose, but more before COVID, um, we would see clients at home, at work, like in London, zones one to six. For those people that don't know, like it's a very wide, you know, area. Sometimes it'll take two hours to get to a client and we'll do it come rain, snow, sunshine, whatever. Um, and so the service has become that service where people can have access to a client, to a physio 24-7. Um, so we pride ourselves ourselves in that. But also it's, it's the kind of service where you can see a physio for as long as you need to. So traditionally, physiotherapy has always been that profession where if somebody comes in for rehab, regardless of what's wrong with them or regardless of how long they need, regardless of if they've had surgery or not, you're given six sessions max. That's it, you know, because traditionally that's what the NHS can afford to. Um, so private practice, you know, some private practices are lenient about that. But usually if you get like a huge private practice, it's a one in, one out, one in, one out, you know. But our service is so different because if somebody needs to see us three times a week, they get exactly that. If they need to see us once every two weeks, they get exactly that. If they need nine months of rehab because they've had, you know, ACL um, reconstruction or, or whatever it is, you know, sometimes people even just need their hands holding whilst they are, you know, getting to stand back on their feet again um, and so we provide what people need whenever they need it wherever that is and for however long they need it um, so it's nice to be able to be in that position to say this is how we're going to run the practice you know as opposed to the traditional way of doing things. Joy this role is literally so becoming of you it suits you so well because I think I can hear the passion in your voice and you care so much about the clients and what you do. And um, sounds like it's so accessible as well. Like you, you go to the extra lengths to, you know, cater for clients that are from all different places around the world, waking up at crazy o'clock in the morning and um, and just being there for people. I think that's what makes you really stand out. And um, yeah, I think it's wonderful what you're doing. Yeah, thank you so much. And I think, to be honest with you, like, I think I've always kind of thought that, you know, private practice, because people are paying for it. Um, again, you can have physios who are like, OK, well, I want them to keep paying for a long time. Whereas what I say to my clients from the beginning is the sooner I can I can let you go, the better. And in fact, it looks better on me. I don't want to have to keep a client for a year see for the same condition because it actually makes me look like I don't know what I'm doing you know I have clients who have come to me and they're like oh I've had a chiropractor or like another physio for two years they are amazing and I'm like hold on if you've had them for two years how are they amazing mm. so you know if they've been seeing the same condition and they haven't got you better also what are you doing here Mm. why are you looking elsewhere you know so I usually say to my clients from the beginning um the sooner we can get you better the better it is for you and the better it is for me so there's never the intention to keep people on for longer and so from the get-go whatever we've got to do to make sure we make progress even if we have to see you a little bit more than usual or whatever it is, we, we go the extra, extra mile to do that. Another thing that we do is we provide, um, so all my clients have my number. If they need to text me at 11, 
at night just to ask me a silly question like how long should I ice for or is it normal for my exercises to be hurting or whatever the case might be they have that access um and that that comes with the service that's a complementary part of the service um we're not that company that sort of put our clients at arm's length and it's like you only pay for what you get no 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 if I'm seeing you once a week I still want to make sure that the next time I see you, you're making progress. And so if you need to text me three or four times before your next session, do that. Do exactly that, because I'd be able to help um, in that time and then make sure that the next time I see you, we are one step ahead. You know, so that accessibility is really useful. Um, And then when it comes to a plan of action, a plan of treatment, we're super clear with it. So I give my clients videos. I have an app. Um, and they basically have access to all the videos. So exactly what they need to be doing. We practice it together. I actually do all this, the exercises with my clients. Um, and then if for some reason reason throughout the week, say one particular exercise is causing a lot of pain, all my client needs to do is give me a text. I'll change it on my end. It automatically changes on their end. It's just little things like that, you know, and they don't just have to suffer in pain until the next session or you know just stop altogether because they're not sure what to do so we're very very clear with instructions because ultimately we want people to get better and as quickly as possible exactly oh the way you care it's just like I know that if something happens to me like you're the first <laughs> person I'd go to because I know you know how how much it's worth to you and um how personal it is and how much you care so yeah, yeah. What do you think about the whole strong black woman concept? Um, So, you know, for example, in the NHS, in hospitals, um, I feel like a lot of the time people from different ethnic backgrounds are ignored um, due to due to various reasons, but mostly due to the colour of their skin, which is absolutely ridiculous in this, you know, day and age. For example, black women who are giving birth are, you know, there's been some reports that they haven't been acknowledged or their pain hasn't been acknowledged. So why do you think this is such a problem and why is this happening within the health sector? Well, I mean, I think it's it's been a problem for a long, long time and not just even in the health sector, in every sector. It's it's mm. such a such a small facet of, you know, racism as a, as a bigger issue and overlooking a certain group of people or um, undermining you know, how they feel or their pain. But the way I I kind of see it now is undeniably that's a problem. That's a systemic issue. And I do remember, um, (laughs) I do remember being at uni and being a young physio who had just qualified and having this idea in my head that had been taught to me over and over again, um, that women of color, um, in particular Asian women, actually um, tend to over-exaggerate their pain. I mean, we said this to each other so many times, even the Asian students repeated it. Like, you know, there was this joke, which looking back, I just feel so ashamed and that that was taught to me and also just so ashamed that I, I couldn't even see through to to realize the truth. Um, you know, there was always this thing where you're in a hospital and this poor Asian woman was in her bed all day and she hadn't been walked by anybody. You know, physios, that's our job because mm-hmm. whenever 
never really get round to everyone, right? Um, and we would we would sometimes leave them till last because we're just like, ah, eh, they don't want to walk anyway, so we just won't go and walk with them. Um, and then when their families come in the evenings, it's always like, you know, rolling the eyes, like, oh, all 25 of their family members. Um, and then this poor Asian woman would start demanding things like medication and, and stuff and would be like, oh, well, just wait for it, wait for it, wait for it. You know, it's mm-hmm. that kind of like, oh, she's over-exaggerating her pain when really what's happened is, One, we haven't walked that lady. And so she's sat there not really knowing what to do, probably doesn't speak the language as well, um, you know, or doesn't have confidence in people actually wanting to care for her. And so she sits there because she knows she knows no better. And then by the time it's the end of the day, she's obviously in pain because she hasn't moved, which is actually our fault. And then so she has nobody else to complain to but to her family and then her family demand medication. And so it's just looking at it from a different perspective, you know, um, when it comes to black women, though, I mean, you are right when it comes to things like pregnancy, you know, it's it's been very well documented that in fact, there's a there's a girl. I don't know if you've, you've heard of her. She's called Nicole Thea. Yes, I have. Yeah, so she died. Imagine. Imagine. I know. imagine dying and your unborn baby I think she was she was eight and a half months pregnant when she died or eight months or something like that and she complained of pain I I mean we don't know the full story but she did she did say about pain and her chest and all of that stuff um I don't I don't want to comment specifically on this but I mean it's it would be it would be very difficult to say that she wasn't overlooked it would it would be difficult to say that even though I don't you know it's just one of those things but I also think I also think this is the flip side to it as an individual and also as a somebody running a physiotherapy practice that now gets to see you know people from all walks of life including black people and and of course I'm from a black family I also think that we have some level of responsibility here in that because we've been over the years not listened to because we've been ignored um you know we would much rather not even try you know yeah and that's that's the hardest bit because if somebody ignores you or if somebody says no 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 I'm not giving you what you need or whatever the case might be if you kept asking and asking eventually they would have to give it to you eventually they would have to listen to you it's not to say that you know I mean, it's difficult, isn't it? But you have to try. You have to be that person who's like, nope, I'm not going until you send me for an x-ray or until you send me for an ultrasound scan or until you actually give me a blood test or whatever the case might be. I think that sometimes maybe just out of the the trying and failing in the past, we just we just don't try hard enough now. And we need to change that because nobody is more responsible for our health than we are. There's no such thing as a strong, independent anybody, because sometimes we need to cry, cry out loud. In fact, sometimes we need to scream out loud. Sometimes we need to ask for help. And that is OK. It doesn't make you less strong. It doesn't make you less independent. It just makes you human. Um, and certainly with physio, when it comes to the things that the, the way that we <laughs> how we're different to doctors. So you go to a doctor and a doctor would at best sometimes give you painkillers and be like, oh, there you go, that will help you. But as you come to a physio and we're like, okay, well, now you've got painkillers, your pain is a little bit under control, but we need you to physically do things. We need you to move, we need you to exercise. 
And I know for a fact in the black community that doesn't go down very well. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. so sometimes we need to help ourselves. You know, we really need to help ourselves a lot more as opposed to expecting other people um, to help us. And more than anything, I think a bigger way of looking at this is we need to encourage our young ones to to get into those professions and get into those, um, you know, be on the other side of that table. So be, be the doctors, be the lawyers, be, be the ones who are the professionals so that when somebody who looks like us comes to us, we, we know that we can relate. And so we have a bit more compassion. So I think there's so many different ways of, of, of really looking at this. Um, and there's so many things that we have under our control that we can do to help. Absolutely, Joy. And I guess the first thing that I kind of think of is is education and educating people about, you know, what they should have, what they should be entitled to, what should be happening and and, and what not to accept um, from, you know, hospitals or or anyone they take advice from. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Because it is very easy for someone to even just giving you tablets to some degree, like, you know, my mom, bless her, she's got arthritis, she's getting to that age now. And, you know, she, she really, you know, getting tablets from doctors every month. It's like, oh, the doctor's very kind. And I'm like, actually, you don't realize this, but it's a way of um, slapping you back into place. It's almost mm. a way of fine. You know, the tablets are not helping the underlying issue that what the tablets are doing at the most is masking the problem so if you have arthritis for example as most people would as they get older but some people obviously have it worse than others um, arthritis is inflammation in the joint so it causes stiffness it causes pain it causes reduced range of movement and eventually loss of function so giving you tablets that one knock you out anyway Um, actually makes it worse because you're masking that problem. And then on top of that, that person is so immobilized that they can't do anything about the problem anyway. So what the GP should be doing in in a case like that is, okay, here's some tablets for you that will help you keep the pain under control. But in the meantime, I'm going to refer you to a physio who's actually going to help you manage the underlying problem. And most of the time, you know, my mom's had this issue for years, for more than 10 years. She's never had a physio referral. Never had a physio. I had to force her um, about three weeks ago um, to have a physio referral. And that took calling the ambulance out for an issue. Wow. To actually have a physio referral. Um, But when you think about it, how long is that referral going to take? You know, so there's a whole system. It's such a systemic issue. Yeah. Completely. (laughs) better than that you know completely I can completely relate my mum is in the exact same position and it's only recently that I kind of just had enough of going back and forth with some of the GPs and the surgeries that I've actually taken it upon myself to try to speak to an actual specialist who mm. who who's an expert within um uh that kind of area where she's yeah. experiencing pains because I know that they would know exactly what to do and they're not just going to give her general advice and and load her up with medication yeah. so that's that's the worst thing ever just having so many tablets that over the years I mean my ta- tramadol is a really really strong tablet my mom's she's been taking it for years and, and now it's it's like sweets mm. sometimes she's 
do anything, whereas I would probably take something like cocodamol and get knocked out. I'd probably I'd probably be like sleep for half a day, you know, because it's so strong. But over the years, your body gets so used to the tablets that they don't do anything. And then by then, it's worse because you've now been living with this problem for a long time. And what people fail to understand, the GPs know this, but in some ways they're thinking it's not their problem. What they fail to understand um, is that when you have one problem, unfortunately, if you don't deal with that, it then leads into other issues, right? So it doesn't just stop at being that problem. So if you, if you're, if you're, if you have arthritis, for example, um, it's not just arthritis that you have to worry about. In five years' time, if you haven't dealt with it, you're going to have to worry about going up and down the stairs, sitting, getting on and off the toilet, getting into bed. It becomes a functional problem because by then it's so chronic that it's not just your knees that are affected, your hips would be affected, your back would be affected, your ankles would be affected. And then think about what that can do to someone, you know, isolate someone. Um, further down the line when you can't go out to the shops anymore when you can't play with your grandkids anymore when you can't drive to go and visit your family you know so sometimes I think healthcare professionals really need to think about the bigger picture but that's in that moment it's never their problem in that moment they just want to give you those tablets get you to take it so it becomes a responsibility of the individual to say hey I'm sorry, but, you know, can, can we, can we have something else? Can I see a physio? Can I, you know, um, and so I, I feel very blessed to have a private practice because all of these problems can be avoided from the get-go. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Joy, when you first started your business, did you feel any anxiousness or imposter syndrome, for example, and how did you overcome it? Um, oh my god, the imposter syndrome. So <laughs> I actually did a um I made a an IG live with a friend of mine, it's probably about two weeks ago now, and we were talking about the imposter syndrome, and I didn't know what it was called until last year. <laughs> when I started my business though, I'm the sort of person who just kind of goes head head first into something I'm like this is what I want to do this is what I'm going to do and then I'll just do it even if I'm not sure um whilst I'm doing it I do it anyway I'm I'm just that person um but whilst I was doing it I remember like a period of time where things were going so well like I'd been so focused on starting a business running it differently doing the best I can for my clients you know just making sure that we stood out in a very big way because the company was tiny compared to the huge physio companies in London, right? So we, I had to make sure that the business stood out and um, everything that we stood for was 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 unique um, in the way that we delivered the service and and all of that stuff. Um, I was so focused on all of that, I didn't I didn't even think about the possibility of things working out. <laughs> And so when things started to work out, I was like, oh, my God, I have I literally have three clinics now in London. I literally get called by, you know, celebrities. I I literally like people just know who I am now and people want to have physio with me and they refer their like families and friends and stuff my way. And that was the moment, I think, where things started to feel like what if they just realize that I'm I'm a fraud and I'm not really a physio like <laughs> imagine being a physio for at this point 10 years right and my brain is still telling me that I'm not a physio <laughs> and I 
somehow believed it. I was like, what if these guys realize that I'm just a fraud? And it was just this feeling of like this overwhelming view. I, I can't really put it into words. I just remember one day in particular where I sat and cried. So this wasn't even just me crying in my room, crying at home. Like I had one of my clinics was in a place called Huckle Tree, like absolutely beautiful co-working space. If you're ever in London, you need to go. And I was already their physio for about a year in Finsbury Square, which is a, an amazing central location. And at this point, I'd gone to the wet, the White City, um, uh, <laughs> White City branch, and it was huge. I remember walking in, thinking, "Oh my God, this place is gorgeous!" Like. Stunning, lots of light. I'm a moth, really. I love light. I love colors. Like, and I remember at, at the point where I was feeling very overwhelmed, like I had been their physio there as well for about six to seven months, and everything was going so well like so well. I was running classes for them, like fitness classes in the summer. I was doing all these hit classes. Um, I was doing like talks within the space, and then I was also there in-house physio and it was so overwhelming like how quickly things got well it got better mm. you know and and that was the point where I literally just sat and I cried and I shut the door and I was just like I don't deserve this 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 is not for me this is meant to be for someone else um and I remember putting out a story on Instagram and just saying you know I, you know like I'm always honest about how I feel um, how I'm feeling because I think people see me as like this happy-go-lucky like she's so happy she's full of joy which I am but like there are points where I, I hit a low so I remember sharing that on Instagram and just saying you know hey business owners just so you know you're not alone kind of thing and then somebody said have you heard of the imposter syndrome I'm like what is that I googled it and I just cried and cried and cried and even just I think it was partly the real, realization that, you know, things are, um, this is, this is like not uncommon, you know? Um, and also just the group of people it tends to affect and stuff. I was like, wow, this is so me. Um, but in terms of how I deal with it, I think, you know, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts and I oftentimes have to remind myself how well I've done. Like, you know, all you need to do sometimes is look back. Um, and for something like this as well, when it comes to physio, you know, it's like your brain is con convincing you that you're not a physio when you you literally not only are a physio, but you've been working as a physio, you own your own business, like literally. So you can imagine where in situations where people don't have like a qualification or people are really doing their best to kind of be a certain way. And then this overwhelming feeling just kind of you know, consumes them. Um, in those situations, I can imagine it's even harder, you know, to, to convince yourself that you deserve to be there, you know. Um, and I'm I'm listening to a book called The Power of Now. Um, yeah. If you, <laughs> it's yeah. Me, isn't it? Um, and I listen to like different audio books and stuff. It, it really, it helps keep me going. And one thing I have learned over the years, um, just in general, even before I started feeling like an imposter is that, you know, what you have is a gift, who you are is a gift, you are unique. And I had to 
reminding myself that it's not just the fact that I'm a physio. Like people don't come to me just because I'm a physio because I'm not the best physio in the world. I'd love to think I am, but so would everybody <laughs> else. Right? And the truth of the matter is I'm not the best physio in the world, but there might be something else you bring to the table that even you don't realize. You know, oftentimes like people would say things like, oh, you don't realize your magic. Like I've said that to a few people who just genuinely don't even realize that it's not the job that they're in. It's not it's who they are that, you know, it's like it's that thing that you can't quite put into words. That's what you bring to the table. And it's a gift. And if you deny the world of your gift because you felt like you were undeserving or not worthy or an imposter, then that would be super sad because you're not sharing that gift and nobody else can share it, you know? Um, But yeah, just, I guess, in terms of dealing with things like that, surround yourself with people who are in a similar position to you, join networks, um, you know, get your own quiet time as well, meditate, exercise, whatever it takes. But just remember that you are not the voice in your head. And that's what the power of now has been teaching me. You can actually observe the voice in your head as a different person. Every time you're getting those thoughts in your head, you can actually stand back and be like, mm, well, welcome. Hello. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. that is not you. You don't have to identify with the voice in your head because you are your own biggest critic um, and your mind is different to you which for me is a very you know interesting concept because you obviously think that you are your mind your body and soul your body's a shell your mind's on the inside but it can be a different entity entirely so if you get a bad thought or you get a you know the feeling of being an imposter you can just you can observe and be like okay cool I got that welcome you know and and then move on from it rather than dwell and um, associate yourself with that that voice and and those words um, and that mindset because nothing good can ever come out of that. One hundred percent, I completely agree with you. And you know, we can be our own worst enemies sometimes, or a prisoner of our own mind. And um, just following and not following on from um, the Power of Now book, another good book is Mindset by Dr. Carol Dweck. I don't know if you've heard of it. Um, it's about yeah, it's it's really really good. It's about changing the way you think to fulfill your potential, and um, it's quite similar to the power of now. Um, but it really goes into really changing your mindset. I'm not halfway through the book, but I'm really hooked, and I would definitely recommend it to anybody who who wanted to improve the way they think and and completely erase those horrible thoughts of being an imposter and that anxiousness of not feeling like you're good enough absolutely and we're not we're not imposters like how could we be imposters like literally (laughs) one Michelle there's one Joy you know there's one Sarah I know there's so many different people with the same name but you know what I mean in terms of the entity that we are like how could we even the even the word imposter is like it's like we're not acting like this is (laughs) <laughs> we'd have to be really good I think we'd have to be really exactly good. like that should be, be on the screen like <laughs> if you were really an imposter you should be getting paid for it like right. you know and there's this whole idea of I guess one of the the main ways people say things is fake it till you make it right mm-hmm. um and some people might think oh just you're, you're you're faking it till you make it but I'm also um just like the the power of now I'm also um 
Uh, I also love the book, uh, The Law of Attraction or The Secret. Mm-hmm. Um, and The Secret, where uh, I don't know if you've heard of it, but like the yes. whole idea of The Secret is that you embody the person that you want to be. Um, you embody the mindset of of whatever it is that you're you're trying to achieve. Um, so, for example, if you are trying to, um, well, this would be hilarious because this is this is completely off subject, but like <laughs> dating, for example. Um, and the only reason why this is the first thing to come to mind is because recently <laughs> I posted a, a story on Instagram. Well, a few stories actually, just telling my followers how I just shot my shot with someone. <laughs> but mm. it's but it's just hilarious because. Um, you know, it's like that mindset where you're just like, okay, this is something I want, right? But not only do you want it, you want to wake up every day feeling like that person is in your space. You want to wake up every day feeling like I've already got this now, right? And this mm. could, could apply to work. It could apply to family. It could apply to anything, building a business. Like it could apply to even being, having a, a bit more money than, than you have. Like for example, if you didn't have money and you wanted to have money, you couldn't just be like, oh, I'm so poor every day. Oh, my God, I literally can't afford. Like, just embody the feelings of somebody who would have whatever it is that you're after, you know? Feel it as if it was there. Think about it as if you already had it. If you're running a business, like, think about it like you're running the business already. Um, I remember one of the things that I visualized and so, so, so well, like last year, when I first started my business, like nobody knew me. So, you know, I just had no clients, like I had no network. I literally knew no surgeons, nobody in the city. And I remember going to work one day and then getting home and thinking, my God, I'm just at the house every day. Like I'm doing nothing with my life. I'm looking for clients. I'm trying to be the best physio I can. You know, there's so much that goes into it and you come home and you haven't achieved anything. So I started to visualize um, coming home and feeling so tired, like feeling ridiculously tired, like so exhausted from seeing so many clients to the point where I'm not even joking yet, Michelle, I would come home. Having seen zero clients, probably like one that day, and I would actually start to feel like my bones are aching, you know, because I had embodied that feeling so Mm. much, not because I'd done anything, but because my mindset was far ahead into the future. Um, And, you know, as, as I want to say as luck would have it, but it's not really luck as my law of attraction visualization would have it by the end of last year. Um, I, I pretty much had two physios of my own who were looking after my back because I had done the most. I, my business was so busy. I was seeing people all around London, you know, and it felt familiar as well. Like I never complained. (laughs) One day I remember actually coming home and saying to my brother, Oh, I'm exhausted. And then I quickly followed up with, but I'm so happy. This is the feeling that I've always wanted to feel Mm. like. You know, so it's that it could be that idea of fake it till you make it. But actually what you're doing is you're speaking uh, into your your future. You know, you're embodying that. And so some people might see that as being an imposter, but actually you're not an imposter. You're not acting. You're in fact, your your mind is ahead of your body or ahead of your brain. It's even possible. Um, And so just think about it as you don't want to deny the world of the gifts that you know that you're capable of giving. Um, And at the same time, you're doing something to help catapult you, if that's the right way to say it, into where you need to be. 
Joy, I feel like this is the pep talk that I needed all week. Like, where have you been? I needed this talk. It's so good. <laughs> There's also me going, I'll keep my answers nice and short. <laughs> I'm just like, uh, wow, it's like my mind is blown. It's so true. I'm like nodding along to everything you're saying because, yeah, it just makes so much sense, like completely. Um, So, yeah, wow. And I think you share these types of tips online as well on your, you know, different social media platforms. I know you have a personal one, you have the physio one, and then you have one for your cats. And you post quite different things on each of them, don't you? I do. I try to anyway. I'm like the worst poster in the world. Like literally, if Instagram, you know, was made for someone, it definitely wasn't for me because one minute I'd look like, hey, everyone, I'm sorry I was AWOL, I'm back. And then I'll just disappear again. (laughs) But literally, it's because work has been so busy. So I don't post as often as I should. And I definitely want to change that in the new year. Um, But you're right. I do have three different ones. So Physio Joy um, on Instagram is like my personal one. So it's the one where I use, it's the one I use the most. Just the one where I kind of share my lifestyle. I've just moved house. I share like, you know, home improvements, like lots of different things. Um, It's also the one where everything kind of, crosses over so I share some physio stuff I share you know the cats and stuff but then the cats have their own Instagram page uh which is at Sasha underscore and underscore Luna um <laughs> just terrible the, the longest possible name to to even <laughs> and then at the London physio is my uh just official kind of physio page you know so I share purely physiotherapy stuff on there but on every other platform, it's just at the London Physio because it's a lot easier, like on YouTube and uh, and on Facebook. Yeah, 100%. Um, and another question that I had about social media is, you know, what do you really think about social media in terms of posting and being true to who you are? I'm talking about body confidence. I myself have, you know, previously felt, well, not recently, but I guess back in the day, um, a little bit conscious about like posting things because I feel like, oh, am I showing too much? Are people going to judge me for having an untoned stomach? And do you think that normal body shapes need to be normalized on social media more? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like, and the way to do that is is by just posting those damn things like if you take a picture and you think because what you're seeing yourself Michelle is not what other people see so the things that you were so even the nice pictures that you're posting like the ones that you're like yeah that's all right to go on social media I guarantee you when you post it that's not what you see is not what other people see they see you you know I feel like the thing with social media is that people people follow your spirit they don't follow you know in in some ways, the content that you're posting is so irrelevant. They're following because it's you. So even if you posted a tree, they would probably like it. <laughs> <laughs> I think as humans, we worry so much, you know, and um, it's only a problem if you make it one. So the whole idea of body confidence, like what people might think is okay body-wise in England is completely, I'm Nigerian, right? It's completely different to what people in Nigeria would be attracted to. But then your audience might be, Nigeria um you know America Sweden like 
they see you with different through different lenses and and why is your body so important like not you my love you know like why why are our bodies so important like it's an outer shell mm. you know it's the whole about don't identify with that with that aspect of you like I don't identify as being just a physio I don't identify as being my body I don't identify as I just identify as me and I think this is starting to sound a bit you know like we have different personalities or whatever but you have to see yourself as as you rather than because your body will change when you have kids it's a different body when you you know you exercise a lot it's a different body when lockdown hits it's you know our bodies fluctuate in size shape and whatever and so don't just identify as that because you are a lot more than that but just post it that's the simplest kind of answer to <laughs> to that question like normalizing yes we need to normalize it more and the only way to achieve that is if people posted you know pictures of their beautiful gorgeous bodies regardless of whatever shape size I personally I don't care about size or, or shape of bodies what I care about is how healthy you are mm-hmm. you could look amazing from top to bottom but you just don't have the stamina to to walk for 10 minutes you know um and for me as a physio that's kind of like well the way you look on the outside doesn't match what people see or what people perceive right um it's a bit like a lot of these personal trainers who have worked so hard or even athletes who look amazing they've worked really hard but they've trained so much that their bodies on the inside are so old and breaking down you know so somebody might look at a picture and think oh my god they look so fit but actually they're struggling to you know get on the floor and play with their kids or they're struggling to go up and down the stairs like it's more about the fitness and the he- uh, sorry the health rather than the the perception of fitness do you know what i mean 100% joy and it's true we're just we're not linear we're so multifaceted and um you know there's so many different dimensions to us and it it's really it's really a good thing actually to think about it like that and that people are following you for your for who you are your energy and what you give out to the world rather than what you look like and i guess if anyone's following any pages that that are making them feel insecure or that they're not worthy enough then just unfollow just unfollow oh my god yes <laughs> i mean like that's it. If you if you're following someone that makes you feel some type of way about yourself because they're constantly posting booty pics or whatever it is, unfollow if it doesn't make you feel good. Um, on the flip side to that, those people might also have really bad insecurities that they are using social media as a way to kind of validate themselves, and um, or it might even be that they've worked super hard in whatever that means to them to achieve whatever body it is and so it's their way of congratulating themselves and I think social media sometimes um, gives people an insight to other people's lives um, through judgmental eyes Mm. you know when in reality they might be going through their own journey like they might be going through someone might have just come out of a bad bad divorce and she has hit the gym my girl has started eating right and she started posting booty pics and all of that getting lots of likes that's her she's just been through a really shitty time sorry Mm, that's okay (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, but that doesn't mean that you and I have to go through that because thank God we didn't have to go through what she went through before she went through a transformation. So mm. I just think it's it's very easy to look at other people and think, oh my God, they look good. No, it might not, it might not just be as linear as that, you know. Everyone's on their own journey. Um, and and your body has absolutely nothing to do with it. Nothing. The moment we free ourselves of that thought. <laughs> the the better life would be and the bigger life would be um, because it can consume you. It can it can make you feel like this is all there is. Like unless I get a body like that, people are not going to like me. Like <laughs> you know, it just it's so it's so shallow that we have to kind of think about who we are as individuals um, and what we what else we radiate that energy that we radiate and that's the most important thing. Um, no one's ever going to look the same forever. So true. So true. So just to bring the mood up a little bit now, we're going to move on to my favourite part of the show, which is about cats. So could you tell us a little bit more about your life and journey with cats so far? Oh, my God, it's been a very short one. <laughs> I got my babies last year. Um, feels like ages ago now, but... I think I got them in September or yeah, September last year. Um, so they are at the moment, they're about 18 months old. Um, so Sasha's a ragdoll and Luna is a British shorthair. And they're both, they both love each other. <laughs> they have very different personalities. Um, Sasha, certainly because she's a ragdoll, she she's more doggy like, like she she's very to me so she'll follow me from room to room I can't leave her sight like ever if I if I go into the bathroom she's sitting right outside the bathroom waiting for me to come out and if I come out and I don't give her a rub with my foot then I'm not going to hear the end of it um <laughs> if I go out the house she cries like literally cries her eyes out like she's ruining my life this girl <laughs> <laughs> she's so so attached um, Luna completely different super quiet doesn't care if she's the only one in fact she loves it when people just leaves her alone mm. um being picked up like Sasha um so yeah they're very different but they really do love each other and I they hated each other initially actually but but now they absolutely love each other they're like they're like the best personalities to live side by side do you know what I mean yeah they complement each other don't they it's just yeah yeah definitely oh and I guess their personalities are quite relatable as well yeah oh my god I'm I feel like if Sasha was human she would be me (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I feel like I'm sorry Sasha so Sasha is very curious she's very stubborn as well so literally you tell her not to do something and she will do exactly what you've told her not to do um and she's also very cunning so like she would for example she never covers her poop right and I think she does it in a spiteful super spiteful way um especially when she needs your attention so if she asks for attention asks for attention you don't give her any attention she'll go and do a poo because she knows that you can't ignore the smell oh no and she would never cover it whereas Luna is oh my god like if she was Luna's very lovely although she's she's um independent she's 
very, very loving. Like she would come to you at night, lay on your chest. She wants a proper rub. Um, but if she was coming to you and for whatever reason you weren't ready. So say, for example, I was on my laptop and I say no or sit. Luna would literally, it's a bit like slow motion. She will just take that paw right back to where it came from and she will sit and she will wait. She can wait for an hour or two until you're ready. She's a very, very good cat. The other thing she does is if we open the door, she would always think twice. Like she, she would, she would sit by the door. She would think super hard about going out and she would never go out. Sasha, on the other hand, if we leave a window by mistake open, (laughs) <laughs> she knows she's not meant to go out but she would have run it she would have run out um but she's very dog-like and she goes on walks with I take her on on walks outside with them um, on a leash and you know to the park and and stuff like that she goes out for drives like I've taken them to cafes before and um they just they travel everywhere with me that they're, they're such good companions I literally love them yeah, I can imagine that they they sound so dog-like as well, because people think of cats as just being kind of like indoors and quite solitude and not really interacting. But, you know, mm. just by listening to what you're saying, they're so much more than that. They really are. Absolutely. And also I want them to be. So, I mean, I think that my my way of bringing them up has changed Luna's personality a lot. So she was she used to be so shy that if people came into the house, not only would she hide under the bed or wherever she fight she can hide for like, you know, the period that they're there, she would also not come out for like the next day. She would literally be hiding in fear and she wouldn't eat for a whole day. Um, but I have I noticed that very early and I was just like, no, 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 no. We can't have that. So I would invite people to the house purposely. I'll bring her out. I would make her sit. And initially I felt really mean. But now it just means she's not scared of people. And she's able to, when someone new comes in, she's able to just kind of look and see, oh, who's that? Someone new. Okay, I'll keep out the way, but I don't need to hide and I can eat. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, Like Sasha has always been outgoing, but she's also quite feisty with people. So... (laughs) I had to um I had to really uh socialize them early like in a very dog like way you know I had to make sure they were around people around children um I took I took them out so much like I remember taking when Luna was younger because she wouldn't walk on grass <laughs> so oh. I used to see her in her carrier bag um in her in like a cat a cat carrier yeah I, w- I would and then I'd, I'd take her out I'll put her on my shoulders um and then Sasha would just walk on a leash with me you know whereas Luna would just she would just be like oh my god what is this this is not my house oh my god <laughs> <laughs> um whereas now yeah they're just so they're so sociable they they love to go out um yeah so it's really nice to to have them but I still wouldn't let them go out on their own because one people would steal them <laughs> mm. And two, yeah. I just think they'll they'll have enough in them to defend themselves, you know. So it's just yeah. from a safe perspective. They're used to being with their mum. And I bet you get so much attention when you're out with them as well. People are probably thinking, oh, my goodness, they're cats. Like, literally, I, I worked out that the quickest way to get a girlfriend or a boyfriend is just take your cat out on a walk. Like, <laughs> 
it's it was like the weirdest experience like at, at some point I had to stop taking them out on my walk I had to go for my walk first before I take them out on theirs because people would be like oh my god how did you do it how did you get them on a leash like mm. how you how is she not running away how is and I'm like she's an animal like just like dogs you know who wants to be inside the house all day like the whole mm. idea of cats it's like I get that you know there's some safety reasons and stuff but honestly they don't want to be indoors all day they want to see you know the the big outdoors and and they are cats at the end of the day so if if you feel that your cat has that sort of personality encourage it if they're curious encourage it you know um and so that's what I've done with them but yeah people get not just stares I mean I'm talking about hour-long conversations I've had people join my walk like literally yeah oh I'm going that way whatever that means and after about half an hour I'm still you're still going my way (laughs) (laughs) I'm like are you sure this is the way you're going that is too funny yeah but you got to be careful with with dogs when you're out that's the only yeah but no it's been it's been a great experience absolutely oh my goodness you're like the best cat mom I feel like you need to do some videos of like talking about these experiences and going out with your cats because I think that would be so cool to watch I have um I've shared a few on Instagram but I haven't quite brought it to YouTube yet so Mm. I'm hoping I'll be sharing more videos of them because I am I'm starting a personal YouTube channel um so we'll see how that goes where I can share lots of different things about the cats and just life and business and and everything else that isn't physio um and keep it separate from the the London physio YouTube channel yeah we fingers crossed that I'll I'll share a bit of that next year because it is it is very interesting actually even just looking at hearing about other people's experiences I think certainly the ragdoll um going outdoors walking on a leash that's not that's not new um I thought it was I thought I was the only one with a ragdoll that wanted to go out but actually um ragdolls are very curious you know and I've seen a few videos of people online who are like yeah my ragdoll likes to come out for a walk with with me and the dogs and I'm like yeah good one do it Why? It's so true. I feel like people are quite nervous. I guess, like he kind of mentioned, that their cat would be scared or, or about the dogs. But I guess if you're getting quite a young cat, then just start them from early, really, of getting used to going outside. Absolutely. And cats, they're intelligent and trainable, so they're no different to dogs. They're no different at all. Um, They just have personalities and that that's even you know from dog to dog different personality from cat to cat different personality but they are animals and they're very perceptive very clever um and so you know as a cat mom you just or dad you've just got to figure out what it is they need and and you know give them as much as you can really yeah it's so true and they you know we give them as much as we can but they also give us so much as well absolutely absolutely and they just have such personalities where I mean Sasha is very vocal like she will tell you like she will tell you considering we don't speak the same language I'm like how do I understand you so much like (laughs) she understands me so I as a physio right now I'm doing a lot of virtual 
physio sessions at home. So like on a day like today, started, at, I was up today at 6. Um, at the moment, it's 6 p.m., just gone 6 p.m. Um, and so I've done lots and lots of video calls. I've had back-to-back calls today. And Sasha would sit by my side and fall asleep all day. But the moment I get up to go and get a cup of tea or, you know, a glass of water or I just get up to stretch my legs, go down the stairs or do like a few like exercises to stretch my back, Sasha's up. Like she knows when to be super quiet. They've never, never interrupted my video sessions ever. And as soon as I get up, they're like, "Okay, mum. And she starts talking to me. She gets up, she yawns, she stretches and she's like, "Okay, let's go downstairs. You know, and then if I come back up, she'll come back up and just sit next to me, fall asleep, you know. And it's just so amazing that even when they're not talking, they're still communicating. You know, it's like this feeling of like, I feel safe, like I'm I know you're busy, so I'm just going to keep out the way and fall asleep whilst you're doing that. But when you're ready, I'm here. Like, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it's so nice to to try and understand, you know, how they communicate other than verbally, because Luna doesn't communicate a lot. <laughs> so when she does, I'm listening. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> going on. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, so it's 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 amazing. They're they're very 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 intelligent creatures. Oh, they are completely. I'm always just like learning so much from them all the time because I work with so many different cats. I get to be around so many different little personalities, and it's just amazing. Honestly, you have the best job, babe. You really do. Oh, I know. I know. (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't change it for the world. Honestly, it's just amazing. Oh, I love it. (laughs) So lastly, if the listeners want to find a little bit more about you and your accounts online on website, where can they find you? Um, So the best place to go that has everything on would be the londonphysio.co.uk. So that's the website. But um, in terms of Instagram, so I'm on as at PhysioJoy, which is just my job and my name. And that's my personal one. Um, Or the London Physio at the London Physio, um, which is the physiotherapy one. I would probably say that Instagram is the social media platform that I use the most. Um, And in terms of getting in touch with me, people can easily DM me. But if they wanted to email me, if it was something more detailed or something that contained confidential information, the best way to email uh, to get in touch would be joy at the londonphysio.co.uk. My diary is open online. So if people wanted to book directly into my calendar, they can by going onto the londonphysio.co.uk forward slash book. And they basically have access to my my entire work calendar so they can book themselves in whatever slot they want which is actually great because uh because I see people from all parts of the world now um you know they don't have to wait until England is awake to make a phone call or (laughs) send an email they can easily book themselves into my calendar so it's it's that's been a particularly great addition to the practice this year yeah so accessible really really good Michelle, do you genuinely believe that? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I do. I do. I know how hard you work. So yeah, I completely, I completely believe that. (laughs) 
so glad. Well, I'm just going to explain that to people that are listening. Um, not because I didn't say that because I'm not accessible. I actually consider myself one of the most accessible people. Um, <laughs> but it's sometimes difficult to pin me down uh, without booking into my calendar. If it's not something that's work physio related, um, just because <laughs> Michelle was trying so hard to reach me. And I was like, I was responding, but we hadn't, we just, we t- it took a while, didn't it? To kind of like get a time to sit down and talk. So um, yeah, I am very accessible, but uh, sometimes it, it can be, if it's all go on my end and it can be very hectic. Um, yeah. It take a while, but I will always, always get back to, get back to people. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. I think, you know, people need to respect that though, because even with me, sometimes I'm so busy. I can't get back to people with emails, you know, automatically and quickly and maybe not, you know, for a couple of days, but you know, it's just, it comes with running a business and, and being a businesswoman. You have to, you know, accept that that people are busy and we accept that joy. We, we really do. We know you're busy and that you're working hard. So I just appreciate, yeah, a, a reply in a few days is perfectly fine. no absolutely thank you for understanding and I've I sort of said this to you off air but you know more than anything I've been very appreciative of your um you know you really trying to kind of get me onto this and also just how much I see how much effort you put into it you know from one business owner to another um another arm of your business as well that's kind of new since COVID. So it's great to see how you've one adapted to, you know, the current climate, but also um, how much effort you are really putting into to get in some quality contributors on the show. Um, and so yeah, that's that's amazing really. Thank I'm really you pleased. so much. Really well. I love it. <laughs> Thank you, Joy. That makes that makes my heart happy. <laughs> Well, thank you so much again for for taking the time out of your incredibly busy schedule. You deserve a break, girl. You really do. I'm going to get some food. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, have a lovely evening, Joy. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Bye. Bye.